Welcome everyone. I was looking around at everyone's image tonight and marveling at how wonderful it is that you all are here, that we're here together. This is the eighth week of our practice period so far, and you're still here. That's just so wonderful. I'm, I'm moved by your dedication and how important this is for the whole world, that you're willing to come and wake up. The whole world benefits from this. Well, thank you. Thank you. Tonight, we take up the fifth realization about ignorance. And I've been particularly looking forward to this uh, discussion tonight because I think that ignorance is a foundation of our suffering. And seeing through our ignorance is a foundation to our waking up. So I've been quite excited that this, this uh, particular part of the sutra would arrive. Would someone be willing to read the sutra? I'm going to share it. And please feel free just to unmute and jump right in. The fifth realization is the awareness that ignorance is the cause of the endless round of birth and death. Bodhisattvas always listen to and learn from others so their understanding and skillful means can develop and so they can teach living beings and bring them great joy. Thank you, Lydia. Okay, this one starts off a lot like the other ones with a very provocative statement. And I'm just wondering if you really believe this. The fifth realization is the awareness that ignorance is the cause of the endless round of birth and death. Hmm. Does that make sense? Ignorance causes birth and death? I mean, okay, let's think about this. Don't people already have enough information not to um, have unwanted pregnancies? Right? Ignorance is the cause of birth. Or don't they have enough information to take good care of their health so they don't die prematurely? I think they already have all the information they need about these things. How can this make any sense? Ignorance is the cause of the endless round of birth and death. Well, as you can imagine, this isn't at all what the sutra is talking about. Um, <clears throat> as you know, it often happens in, in, in Buddhism. We use words and metaphors quite differently than normal usage. And this is happening here. Ignorance in this sutra does not mean lack of information. It means much more than that. And birth and death means so much more than your daughter being born or your grandfather dying. It's a, a whole different word. Yeah, so let's start with the original words from the sutra of the, the Sanskrit word avidya, avidya, A-V-I-D-Y-A, means um, not paying attention. And that's what we translate as ignorance. Avidya means not paying attention. 
So ignorance in this Buddhist way of using the word doesn't mean a lack of knowledge. Ignorance instead points to the way we contract our attention. We contract our attention. Uh, another sense of that is, is ignorance in, in our Buddhist use of it is our resistance to seeing things as they are. Resistance to seeing things as they are. So this is really important because this resistance to seeing things as they are is what gives rise to our sense of separation, our sense of a separate self. It's what gives birth to a separate self. It constricts our view of interbeing that is wide open and spacious and it constricts it down to us believing we're only a separate self. And once ignorance gets a hold that way, it tends to multiply and create more and more ignorance. Until finally, ignorance locks us into a world of defensive distortions and locks us away from this open, flowing, inclusive reality of the present moment. So ignorance, constriction of attention, and creates a sense of separate self. It's not about not having knowledge. So I learned um, a, a really strong lesson about my own ignorance when I was watching the 2016 U.S. presidential election returns. So I remember that Sandra and I, my wife and I, sat down on the couch expecting that we were going to celebrate the U.S.'s first female president. Everything I'd been reading and thinking about pointed to that. So I remember I had my laptop there and I opened it up to the New York Times. They had a dashboard of, of the uh, things coming in and they predicted a 95% chance that Hillary Clinton would be the winner. And so we sat there watching the returns, feeling quite sure of ourselves. And moment by moment, the needle on my laptop went away from 95% until it dawned on me that this was not what was going to happen. And I was shocked out of my ignorance. I had contracted my attention and not seen things clearly. I did not see that there was a large group of disgruntled voters ready to elect Trump instead of Clinton. And I had read the New York Times and taken that as all the information I needed, and I had failed to investigate. I'd failed to look more deeply, and I was trapped in my ignorance. I'd been living in this bubble of contracted attention, where I thought I knew what was going to happen. I thought other people were like me and would do what I was going to do. I was totally trapped by my ignorance. So that's, a, that's one that really sunk in for me because that was a moment that many of us remember, I think, and, and uh, it felt like an important moment. 
and a, and a, a real wake-up call for my ignorance. So I want to invite each of us to just take a moment and think for yourself of a moment when you saw your own ignorance at play. When you thought you had it right and you had it wrong. So while it might be hard for each of us to think of an instance of our ignorance, it's not because our ignorance is a rare thing. Our ignorance is, is floating up all the time. So one way you can tell that your ignorance is present is anytime you feel trapped by an afflictive emotion, you can know that ignorance is present. Anytime you're trapped by anger or greed or envy, or jealousy, or fear, or anxiety, or any of the myriad names we have for our suffering, you can trust that ignorance is the foundation of that. And, and conversely, anytime you find yourself not dwelling in freedom, not open and spacious, aware of the present moment, ignorance is present. Ignorance is the very foundation of all of this suffering. So we have a name for the experience of being trapped in ignorance, and that's called samsara. And samsara is the dis-ease of living within ignorance's defensive bubble. Samsara is what it's like to be inside of ignorance's distortions. And, and we all know this really well because this is where we spend most of our lives. Most of our lives are, are led inside this bubble of samsara that depends on ignorance for its very creation. And sometimes that bubble breaks and we see clearly. But even then, after we've had those insights, we tend to contract right back into ignorance's bubble, into this bubble of samsara. You know, even after we've had a, a, an insight into the spaciousness of interbeing, we, we turn right around and ignore beauty, and ignore interconnection, and ignore love and kindness, and choose instead to go right back into this bubble of ignorance, this samsara, and nurse our grudges, and harden ourselves against other people, and bathe ourselves in all those afflictive emotions that we know, that I just named. So we all know this really well, and it's interesting when you become aware of it to watch the flexing of insight and freedom right back to ignorance and samsara and freedom, ignorance, and samsara, back and forth, back and forth, moment to moment, all day long. I'm, you know, living within the confines of ignorance is sort of like following a compass that doesn't actually point north. You know, we, we rely on this compass to take us where we want to go, and it's not pointing north, but we don't go astray because the compass is broken. 
we go astray because we haven't bothered to see that it's broken. You know, ignorance is not the broken compass. Ignorance is failing to see that the compass needs to be aligned. And ignorance's power rests on us never asking questions. It both prevents us from asking questions and then later it stunts the sense of wonder and awe that we might have in asking those questions. It shuts us down and it holds us in there. And so then we go through our life shackled to these same old habits and the same old ideas and the same old hatreds and desires. Those all exist right within the bubble of samsara that ignorance has created. I like the way Kathleen Dowling Singh uh, describes this. She says, we spend endless energy comparing, judging, strategizing, manipulating, preening, and defending our own ego. That's the result of ignorance. We do all this instead of looking deeply and having the possibility of breaking free. We choose this all the time. There's a Buddhist story about a monk uh, who walks into a room and sees a snake coiled up in the corner. And he steps back and he's instantly fearful and repelled and wants to get the heck out of there. And does. But luckily, this monk remembers his training, which is to look deeply and investigate. So he decides after he calms down, it's time to go take another look. And so he sort of gingerly sticks his head back into the room and looks around and looks very carefully at the snake and discovers it's actually a piece of rope. And in that moment, the very moment he discovers that the snake is actually a piece of rope, all his fear leaves instantly and he's free. So he really shows us how to practice this monk. Uh, it, and ignorance here is not the monk's initial wrong perception. We all have wrong perception all the time. Almost all our perceptions have some element of being wrong. Maybe even all our perceptions have an element of being wrong. But ignorance would have been the monk failing to investigate more deeply to see whether what he thought was a snake was actually a snake. And when he investigated more deeply, he saw that what he thought was a snake was not. So I think the lesson from this story is that without wonder and mindfulness, ignorance has us believe that the whole world is a snake pit. But it isn't actually a snake pit. That's just our bubble of samsara created by ignorance. All right, so it seems like I've spun a pretty dark tale here of how, how stuck we are in um, in ignorance, but I really wanted to to convey the seriousness of ignorance 
and what its effect is on us, what its actual effect, how much it restricts our ability to be free human beings, to be alive, to be helpful, to be generous and kind, because it creates this sense of small self, and everything revolves around small self. <clears throat> but the good news here is that we already know how to get free. Each one of us already knows how to get free. We know what to do. And it's the core of our practice. The core of our practice is seeing. Seeing. This is how we transform ignorance. So to transform ignorance, we have to see what's going on. We have to see clearly, have the room to see, not clouded by ignorance's distortions. So we have to make the effort to see, but we have to do more than just see. We have to also see through. We have to see what's happening and then look deeply enough to see through it, to notice when it is actually ignorance's distortions that we're seeing. Just like the monk did. He saw the snake, but then he saw through the snake and saw that it was actually a piece of rope. On the wall here in the Zendo, we have one of Thich Nhat Hanh's calligraphies, and it says, look deeply, look deeply. So this invites me to do just what I was mentioning. It invites me to look, to see, to actually be aware of what's happening. But it also invites me to look deeply, to see through. I think about Thich Nhat Hanh's invitation to us. Oftentimes he uses the phrase, are you sure? That's the looking through. You know, the the idea or the perception I have is the seeing. The am I sure? That's the seeing through. That's the looking deeply. So it's a lovely, a lovely phrase, this look deeply, and the, the uh, companion, am I sure? Because it, it encourages us to see with mindfulness, to see with wonder, to see with awe even, curiosity. And when we do this, whenever we pause and look deeply in that way, with curiosity and wonder and awe and mindfulness, we break the grip of ignorance. Right then, we break the grip. Because while we're seeing clearly, while we're seeing through, ignorance ceases to function. It simply stops. And when ignorance ceases to function, all the other parts of the suffering that we carry that are built upon ignorance, they also cease. It's like instantly going in and taking out the foundation of a house. You don't have to take down every stick and board of the house. The whole house will fall down. And that's what happens when we use mindfulness to, to see clearly, to see through. Ignorance stops functioning and the rest of our suffering 
crumbles. Including the endless cycle of birth and death, just like it says in the first line of this realization. Then Michael's going to go into that in some detail and unpack that much more. But I'm hoping that uh, we will have a time, maybe in our next practice period, to look at the actual teaching about how you move from ignorance to the endless round of birth and death. There's a teaching called the 12 Links of Dependent Arising, and it, and it gives in great detail how this actually works. So you have to sort of take it a little bit on, on faith right now that ignorance is the uh, endless the round of the endless as cause of the endless round of birth and death. Uh, but we can hopefully go into that a little bit more so you can see for yourself. But what I really love about this, this, there's a certain poetry that our deepest suffering caused by ignorance is treated by our most apparently simple practice, which is mindfulness. The, the, the foundation of our suffering is treated by what we um, know how to do already and what Thich Nhat Hanh has taught us so beautifully. There's a poetry to that. So it's really beautiful to know that to find our way out of the ignorance bubble, all we have to do is drink our tea. All we have to do is wash our bowl. All we have to do is sweep the floor. Provided as we do these things, we see through and look deeply while we do them. Our everyday simple activities done with mindfulness are the antidote to ignorance. Isn't that amazing? That's just wonderful. And these are Dharma gates and they're hiding in plain sight right in front of us. And they are the medicine that cures our ignorance. Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh wrote these deceptively simple books and offered deceptively simple practices. But it turns out that they are the most direct way to address our suffering the most direct way to wake up, the most direct way to shed the chains of ignorance and live freely right here in this present moment, no matter what's happening. I also find it very elegant that these seemingly simple practices cure in two different ways. One is an instant cure, and one is a long, slow cure. So the instant cure first. When we're mindful, ignorance receives no energy. In that moment that we are paying complete attention to whatever's happening right here, right now, ignorance receives no energy. And when it receives no energy, it falls apart instantly. Poof. And when it does that, the freedom that's been all there all along that we couldn't see while inside ignorance's bubble comes right forward, all at once. I think this is what the, what the old Zen stories point to when they say, and on hearing that, 
This nun woke up. Instantly it happens. Instantly. And it can happen right now while you're listening to these words. Right now. There's no impediment except ignorance itself. So that's the instant cure of mindfulness. But there's also a long, slow cure to mindfulness. And it's this. When we are consistent in our denying ignorance the energy that it needs to be strong and to grow, ignorance within us grows weaker and weaker and weaker. So every time we turn our attention to the present moment and we don't give our attention to creating more systems of ignorance, that ignorance grows weaker. And as it grows weaker, the habit energy to bring up ignorance grows weaker. And so over time, slowly, without us noticing, the tendency for us to go inside that bubble of samsara gets less and less compelling, less and less attractive. And we can let go of it more and more easily. So it has a long-term effect that the more we do this, the easier it gets to do. So it's instant and it's also long-term. But we do the same practice for both of them. Okay, so I've been talking about, about um, opposites here. I've been talking about ignorance and freedom. Either we're stuck in this uh, samsara of ignorance or we're free. And, and that's presenting it as opposites. And of course, they're only opposites when we talk about them. They're only opposites when they're ideas, when we think about them. But in our lived reality, ignorance and freedom is actually a continuum. It's not an either-or. It's a continuum that we exist on, somewhere between those opposites of ideas. It's kind of like uh, I've got a little pencil here. And it's, it's clear that this pencil, when we think of it in the abstract, has two ends. It has this end and this end. And it seems like those are opposites. But in reality, you can't actually find where one end stops and the other end begins. You can't find an, at one end that's separate from the other end. And it's like that with, with ignorance and freedom. We are more or less ignorant, more or less free. And we can, be, we can have ignorance in one aspect and freedom in another, and then it swaps instantly. Michael and I have, have discovered this, you know, as, as we, we think of ourselves often as having a single practice in two bodies. And so one moment, one of us will be really suffering. One of us will be in that bubble of samsara, and the other one will be free and holding the space open. And then in a moment, it can shift. And now the other one is free, and the other is stuck in this bubble of samsara. You know, it's, it's not like we have one or the other. We, we shift within ourselves moment to moment. We shift, we're more free, we're more trapped. So I don't want to give this sense that you're either this or you're that. It's just not that way. That's too, that's too easy. And there's a danger to that. You know, if, if we think of it that way, then we think those moments when we're free, well, we're pretty good, you know. And there's ignorance right there, back. 
as soon as we start to think, oh, I'm free, we'll start to judge others who aren't free, right? Oh, well, if they were just like me, they'd have it. No, well, ignorance right there. <laughs> we're back, we're trapped. So we don't have to get lost in, in um, comparing or judging or blaming ourselves or others, just to know that we're walking a path that leads from ignorance to freedom. And that path isn't straight, and it isn't clear. And moment to moment, we will experience both of them in plenty of measure. So if I could, if I could sort of um, encapsulate this into, into a single phrase, I might like to offer this. Ignorance is the disease. Mindfulness is the medicine. Ignorance is the disease. Mindfulness is the medicine. You already have both of them right there with you now. Already. So let's read this one more time. The fifth realization is the awareness that ignorance is the cause of the endless round of birth and death. Bodhisattvas always listen to and learn from others so their understanding and skillful means can develop and so they can teach living beings and bring them great joy. Thank you all for listening. So let's let's shake out a little bit here uh, and sitting still for a long time. <clears throat> How would you like to do a little bit of a guided meditation to to feel this? You know, this all, the Dharma talks are kind of 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 dubious worth, I think, because they're a bunch of ideas and they come at you and you know they they come in one ear and out the other. But I was thinking maybe we could do a little bit of a, of a guided meditation and actually feel what it feels like to move between freedom and ignorance. Would you be willing to do that with me? Okay. So let's do this. What I'd like to suggest is that you come back to your uh, meditation posture in a, in a way that you feel your full human dignity the dignity of having this amazing body that you have. The dignity of being a bodhisattva right here with other bodhisattvas. Now what I'd like to invite you to do is to um, put your hands in maybe in your lap if that's how you're sitting with your palms facing up and your palms open and feel the openness 
of your palms as a receptivity to the present moment. Palms are open and receptive. You are in the present moment, experiencing what the present moment has to offer. Now the alternate state to this is when ignorance takes hold, when ignorance comes in and takes you away from present moment awareness, what I'd like you to do is to take your open palms and contract both hands into a fist. Contract both hands into a fist right now and try that. Feel the feeling of both your hands clenching down. And now make the choice to come back to the present moment and open your hands. Feel the way that relaxes and allows the present moment to be present once again. So as I, as I guide you through this meditation, what I'd like you to do is notice very clearly when you are in the present moment. And when I mean the present moment, I mean just the present moment, not the present few seconds. I mean exactly this moment, this moment, this moment. And any time you are there and the hands open, feel the freedom. Anytime your mind wanders away from the present moment, contract your fists and notice that. And then when you're ready, come back to the present moment and open your hands. Okay. I'd like to invite you to become aware of your breathing. More than your breathing, aware of this breath and this breath in the particular location at the tip of your nose. Feeling the cool air coming in, the warm air moving out. So as you watch this breath, just this one breath, Notice when your mind leaves that breath and contract your fists. And again and again, after you've contracted intentionally Relax and come back to the present moment, to the tip of your nose. Now I'd like to invite you to change the object of your awareness to any sounds that might be happening around you. Sounds in your environment. If you're in a very quiet place, you might want to stay with your breathing in your nose. And listening to those sounds, just the sound. Notice how 
even labeling the sound, oh, that is a lawnmower, can cause a contraction and leave the present moment. Oh, I wonder if that's a robin or a wren. Oh, contraction. And again, opening the hands to be aware, contracting when you realize you've left the present moment. Okay, so now I'd like to invite us to all come back. I'd really love to hear um, in observations about that experience of what it's like to come and go from the present moment and watch how often ignorance wants to take us away, wants to contract our attention. Uh, so if there's about that or anything else related to this, then I'm going to stop the recording now.